Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Today we have a crazy story of revenge against a racist stepmom. We'll get into that in a bit, but first, exposing my boyfriend. Crappy partners are a recurring situation, a story as old as time if you will, and while I'm sad that I fell victim to one of them, I'm also pretty proud of how the story unfolded and I'll share it. I'm a 24 year old female and I was raised by four parents, two moms and two dads. Both of my biological parents were gay, but they were also beards for each other, getting married and having me until they could move far away and be with the people they truly loved. It's safe to say that I'm very understanding of the way things work in the world, and I'm also very supportive. My parents raised me to be a very receptive person, usually saying that you never knew what someone was going through, so it was better to be welcoming and kind instead of adding to their problems. That piece of advice stuck with me and shaped me into the person I am today. I made myself available to nearly everyone, taking on their emotional baggage from as young as elementary school. It didn't weigh on me much because I had a family that loved me to bits and treated me like I was just a much shorter adult, so it was easier to empty all those baggage and not let them affect me once I was home. During freshman year of high school, I had one of my dads help me design a Tumblr blog to help students talk about things bothering them in my DMs, and then I would give them advice while posting positive mental health messages on my wall. I also designed posters and put them up. By the third week of school, answering DMs and dishing out advice was a full-time job. But I loved it. I was everyone's anonymous best friend that was actually there for them. It was a pretty huge accomplishment for me, and I had my parents check in with me and make sure that I also took my schoolwork as seriously as I was supposed to and that I didn't go crazy. All of it ended when I was exposed as the one who ran the blog during high school graduation, so I shut it all down. I was going to college anyway, so there was no need. I ended up not going to college right away and doing two years of traveling instead. At that time, I found a friend who was a fellow traveler and after some time we started to date. I really liked him and I really liked how it felt. We were together for a year and traveled together so much in that time. But in the blink of an eye, it was all over and I had to go back home and so did he. We didn't want to keep in touch, but kept each other's numbers just in case. I started college at 20 and it was hours away from home. Having left my parents and being freshly heartbroken, I was too much of a wimp to actually enjoy any of the school activities and I only went straight to bed after classes. My only friend was conveniently my roommate and she was kind enough to invite me out a lot. Each time I declined but it didn't stop her. She was fine with always asking me to come along with her. I finally agreed to go on a night out with her on her birthday to the house party of a stranger that neither of us knew. But I soon got tired of the noise and found myself a spot outside with a large bowl of popcorn and a drink. I remember distinctly what I was eating because this random drunk kid came over and dug his hand in the bowl and started eating. It was a pretty big bowl so I was fine with sharing but what irked me was the fact that he reeked of alcohol. I decided not to speak to him but he started to rant about how much he disliked homosexuals and how they would all go to heck. I know what you're gonna think. How was I not enraged? Well, I was, but I was also intrigued because it all sounded so forced. 
as if he was trying so hard to impress someone. It was just us two there, so maybe he was trying to impress me. But it was stupid because although he didn't know it at the time, I have four gay parents, so any slander would be taken personally. This dude just seemed more hurt the more he spoke, and at a point, his voice broke and I turned him around to face me, noting that there were tears in his eyes and that he looked very upset. I let him cry and after he was done, I let him have my number and asked him to call me if he wanted to talk. I'll be honest, after bearing himself like that to a total stranger, I didn't expect a call from him at all. But the next day, I was sitting in a McDonald's wearing a new shirt. I'll call him Tim. Tim was just what I needed to be myself again. After almost three years of not giving anyone therapy or being helpful to anyone in the way I really liked to, along came a guy with more tears in his eyes than the Atlantic Ocean and I liked it. I didn't just like the fact that he was vulnerable, I liked that I seemed to be the only person he was vulnerable with. It was like our special thing to meet every Wednesday and Friday at a different restaurant he would suggest and then we would sit and talk. Playing therapist felt so natural with him. And on some rare occasions, I told him some about things bothering me too. My roommate used to joke that he liked me, but I didn't want to believe her. Plus, I'm a pretty straightforward person and I don't know how to take hints. Tim's big secret was that he was bisexual. That was a problem in itself because he came from an extremely conservative Catholic family that he claimed would shoot him dead if they ever found out. As a kid who grew up with a black mom and a white dad who were both gay and children of avid Christians... I could understand greatly his struggles and I wanted to help him so badly. From the day after we met and for months after, Tim and I met with each other every week and we talked about so many things. I developed the biggest crush on him, but he mostly told me about people, especially guys that he liked. I had to shelve all my feelings and just be there for him as much as possible to sort of guide him through it as his friend. Once, while we were drinking together, he told me that he thought of me as an older sister because of how wise I was. I cried my eyes out that night, but I also came to terms with the fact that maybe I was just meant to be a good ally, and that's what I focused on being for him. I was his wingman. I went to every pride event, and I even let him practice makeup on my face once. He failed miserably. It was nice, but my crush on him was getting stronger, so I decided to distance myself from him. When you go from spending every day with someone to always being busy when they call, they're bound to notice, and he did. He came to my dorm, and just as it happens in the movies, we had a brief argument where I blurted out that I liked him and he said that he liked me too. It was a little too fairy tale-ish for me, but it was a sweet moment. We still didn't begin dating because it was nearly summer and we lived in different parts of town. All we spent the summer doing was talking on the phone, and by the time school was in session again, we just knew that we had to start dating. Tim was a good boyfriend when he wanted to be. He was fun and funny and kind and knew how to do a lot of things. I was constantly impressed by him. Another thing that made me really happy was the fact that he was openly an ally. He was still hiding in the closet, but he supported those who had come out, promising me that he would come out with his family when he was established enough to live independently on his own. But when Tim was mean, it was unreal. I didn't see this part of him during our friendship, but then again he had never seen me naked or seeing me be very vulnerable with him at the time. It was like our relationship was either really good or I was getting the silent treatment and wondering what the heck I was doing. During spring break, I suggested going to see my parents and he accepted the idea, even suggesting that we drive to his parents for a weekend before going to stay with mine for the week. His parents were sweet at first glance, 
very welcoming and didn't have an ounce of racism radiating from them. They really were very Catholic though, and it was a little uncomfortable being irreligious and being among them, but they were nice about that too. They were nice about everything except being gay. The kind of slurs I heard about gay people in one day, I had never heard in my entire life. I tried to speak and be a little defensive, but I got shut down immediately. Later on after dinner, Tim and I got into a huge fight because of it, and I felt like absolute crap for the rest of the weekend and on the drive back to my parents' home. Tim knew that both my parents were gay with their separate partners, and that we all lived together in the same house, so he was very comfortable with it. What shocked me was that the minute the car was parked, he was suddenly so sweet to me, making me look at him in awe at how quickly he could switch so easily. All four of my parents must have seen it because they spent time talking about how Tim and I shared a look of love. I enjoyed the positive attention I got from Tim until Tuesday when I caught a terrible case of the flu and fell really ill. All I did was sleep, eat chicken noodle soup, and watch romance movies that made me cry. Tim was barely in my room, so I assumed that he was doing fun activities with my parents. But when one of them came to check up on me and I asked of him, they said he had gone up to meet with some old friends. He had never told me that he had friends in my town, but I let it slide because it didn't matter that much to me. We ended up staying for two weeks instead of one, and a day before we had to leave, I went swimming with a bunch of old friends, and we met someone from high school that I rarely spoke to. We ended up speaking and she snuck in a comment about how my friend was really cute. I wanted to correct her, but then she said something else that made me a little unsure and suspicious. So I waited until Tim had slept, and then opened up his phone to look through. The first thing I saw was Tinder. He had a Tinder account and it was fully active. I went through it in the bathroom and counted a total of 7 girls and 1 guy that he had hooked up with in just 2 weeks of me being sick in a completely new place. To say I was heartbroken was the understatement of a century, and I called my best friend and roommate back home crying to her. After two hours on the phone together, we decided that instead of breaking up with Tim immediately, we had to teach him a lesson. Tim knew that I trusted him, and so he was pretty free around me, which included leaving his devices with flimsy passwords that I knew and had access to. So I was able to log into his email on my own laptop and delete the evidence from his devices. Then I went about hatching my plan. At college, Tim was a big deal. He played soccer and was friends with kids of some of the most powerful and influential people. So he was basically scared of no one. But back home, I witnessed firsthand how he shook when his dad spoke, no matter how low the tone. On a Friday, Tim and I had finished just doing the deed and we were drinking some wine when I slipped something into his drink. Once he fell asleep, I invited my roommate and a few of our guy friends to come in, dressed as robbers with black masks, the whole shebang, and we basically directed a soft, adult entertainment movie. It was hard making his limp body do things that made him seem like he was an active participant, but we did a good job at making Tim look like he was having a massive romp with four other guys. Some of the shots looked like he took them himself even, blurry and all. Nothing really happened, there was no contact or even fully naked guys, but if you look at the pictures, you'd never guess that. The next morning, he woke up with a headache and I pretended that I had one too. Slowly, our relationship phased out until we were barely even talking to each other. And I was very aware that he was serially cheating on me. Just before summer break, he broke up with me. I was okay though, happy even. 
because I had a plan. On the last week of summer break, before we were meant to resume for our senior year of college, I sent the compromising photos to Tim's father's email through his account that I logged into with my phone. Tim didn't come back to college the next semester, and I heard that he transferred to a community college close to his house to finish his last year there. Did I feel bad for what I did? Absolutely. I cried for weeks. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Storytime is sponsored by BetterHelp. Nearly everyone at some point in their life will struggle with their mental health, whether that's something stressful at work, in a personal relationship, or something else. I know that I really struggled with anxiety in my early 20s, and therapy was a massive help for me. That's why I'm a massive fan of therapy, and today's sponsor, BetterHelp. If there is anything in your life, big or small, that is negatively affecting you, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. It's an online therapy service that, after finishing a small questionnaire, will match you with a licensed therapist, where you can book appointments that match up with your schedule at any place or any time. And if you feel like you're not bonding with your therapist, you can switch at any point for free. Also, therapy isn't just if you're struggling with mental health. If you're looking for guidance or ways to improve your social skills, life, or relationships, it's a great judgment-free way of doing that. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com StorytimePod today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash StorytimePod. Eeks, but I felt satisfied and proud of myself, too. And that was what mattered the most to me. Honestly, I've heard a lot of horrendous things that people have done in the name of seeking revenge. This one is very possibly towards the very top. I mean, what OP did here, especially without consent, is pretty horrendous when all your boyfriend did was cheat on you. Like, I understand the amount of cheating was horrendous too, but it does not necessitate that. That said, our next story is exposing my stepmom. Racism is the worst part of any society, and I still don't understand why it's still a thing. Comparing the amount of knowledge we have now to before, there really is no reason for it if you think. I'm a mixed woman, my father's an African-American man, and my mother's half Chinese and half white. Because of this, my features are what people like to call exotic. I have long curly hair, tan skin that doesn't lighten too much in the winter, my mom's slant almond eyes, and my father's full lips. I've always been aware of the privilege my looks have given me, and I'll never take it for granted. Because of this, I've been more outspoken about the unfairness of society to darker-skinned black people and the effects of racism and colorism on young children. It's pretty safe to say that I've always been quite the activist. It started early on, thanks to my mother. She always advised me and my siblings to be thoughtful and consider others. And she also led by example, so it wasn't very difficult to emulate. I feel like I'm going too fast, so I'll start from the top. I'm a 27-year-old female, 
and I'm the first child of three children. My siblings are Tara, 25, and Tyler, 24, all fake names of course. Our parents met when they were teenagers in opposing high schools. It was the classic cheerleader and football player from different schools love story. Their relationship was a little forbidden, but they managed to hold out, staying together all through high school and college and differing career paths. They had us pretty early into their marriage, so we all kind of grew up together. Mom was going to college and raising toddlers, while dad was doing the same and working as well. After she graduated, my mom went to beauty school for about a year, and once she came out, she started a shop in the small garage of our house. In no time, it blew up to be one of the most diverse hair shops that catered to all kinds of hair, specifically black hair, and my siblings and I were little staff workers for our mother. Because of where we grew up, we were constantly surrounded by people of color, and it contributed to my need to find justice for minorities. I saw people die every other day from police brutality, and I was reminded every day that while I might be white passing enough, others weren't, and I needed to protect them the best I could. After high school, I went on to major in African American studies and art history. I knew it was the right path for me, and I enjoyed all four years that I spent in college. Right after I graduated, my parents announced that they were getting a divorce. My mom had just turned 42, she was 21 when she had me, and my dad was 43. They assured us that the divorce was not caused by cheating or anything malicious, but that they had just reached different points in their lives and decided that it would be best if they parted ways and continued in their individual journeys. My siblings and I were very supportive of them, and the divorce was smooth. I didn't think I would ever say that a divorce was smooth, but here we are. My mom started to travel, and my dad sort of just disappeared into thin air. I did my masters, and somewhere along the line, I met my husband. He was the sweetest, most handsome man in my class. But he was so painfully shy that I celebrated the first time that he spoke more than three words to me. Once he got comfortable around me, we started to study together, and before long, we started dating. We were together for only four months when he proposed, and then we got married a year later. My parents came to my wedding separately, and instantly I noticed that my dad had a woman on his arm. After some probing, we realized that she was his fiance, and they were set to get married in a few weeks. It seemed rushed, but he was my father and he knew what was good for him, better than the rest of us. Their wedding was a court wedding, and the first thing we noticed right after they got married was how she changed towards us, myself especially. For more clarification, my father got married to an African-American woman, and I also got married to an African-American man. My father's new wife was Joan, a fake name, and the best way I could describe her attitude towards my mother and I was scornful. She was nice to my much darker siblings and my husband, but when she was around me, it changed to disgust. Things never really got on my nerves easily, so I let myself brush it off, deciding that if she disliked me, it was her own personal problem. At 24, I had finished with my education and gotten a job as a professor's aide in the school I graduated from. By fall of the same year, I realized that I was pregnant. It was an easy pregnancy and my baby girl was born in June. She was the first grandchild of the family and everyone was around to welcome us back home. Everyone besides my stepmother. I didn't think much of it until she showed up on her own about a week later, scowled at me and everything in my house, and upon seeing my baby girl, burst out into laughter. I asked why she was laughing and this woman looked me in my eye and said I was a plague to blackness and it had rubbed off on my baby. Without uttering another word, she got up and left my house. 
It was confusing to say the least, but I kept the conversation to myself and didn't tell anyone besides my husband. I should have spoken up immediately when it happened, but I didn't want my siblings seeing her in a weird light. She was nice to them, so it didn't matter that she didn't like me or my child. We would stay out of her way. Ironically, she liked my husband a lot and would always look out for him at events. Her claim was that she just wanted the dark skins to stay together. Over the years, as my daughter grew, her complexion didn't darken much and her curly hair was a very, very light shade of brown. She didn't look black, and Joan made sure to tell me at any chance she got. She poked fun at us during family meetings, but I stopped anyone from speaking up for me, only responding with smiles or changing the conversation completely. My siblings noticed and tried to talk me into speaking up and doing something, but I let them know that our father was head over heels in love and brushed everything she did off as a joke. He would do the same if I spoke up about her, and things would get worse. My daughter turned three years old in October, and we threw her a Halloween-themed party. Against the wishes of my husband and siblings, I invited Joan alongside my dad and then my mom. My mother and Joan had never been in the same place for more than five minutes, because she never stayed too long at a place. Since my daughter's birth, my mother had been coming around a lot more, and I secretly could not wait for her to meet her ex-husband's new wife for more than three minutes. My mother is a very zen woman. The stereotypical backpack traveler, yogurt and coconut water for breakfast type of person. Her skin was very tan from the sun, and I always feared that was probably a few hours away from asking me what I thought about dreadlocks. My daughter's birthday was more of adults using the event as an excuse to drink and socialize, while the kids ran around screaming bloody murder. Everything was going well, until my mother and Joan arrived at the same time. Family and friends who knew about the drama that Joan was laughed because they knew that things were about to get more interesting. Right away, my mother walked up to my daughter and wished her a happy birthday, handing her a cute little necklace and kissing her cheek. Right after, she went straight to the drink cooler and then to say hi to my father. Joan walked up to my daughter and gave her the tightest smile, leaned into her ear and started to speak to her. For the one minute that she was in my child's ear, I could see her face fall with every word that this woman uttered to her. After she got up, she turned to me, gave me a tight smile and walked off somewhere. I was so livid. I called my now sad three-year-old and cuddled her, encouraging her to speak up to me. Now, while she can talk, her vocabulary is limited and she isn't the clearest to understand. Despite that, I was able to make out that Joan degraded my toddler and called her a couple of slurs like mulatto and a bunch of other colorful words. It took a lot of cheering up to raise my baby's spirits, but once I did, she went back out to keep playing with her friends, and I called a meeting with my mom, husband, and siblings. It was one thing to say slurs to an adult, but it is a completely different ball game when you decide that you want to fight with a freaking child. Joan has gotten herself into a fight that she would not win and my family would make sure of it. Nobody said anything to Joan at the party. We all just blatantly ignored her the whole time, and we continued to do so at every other family gathering. Even when she cornered one of us to speak to us, we pretended that she didn't exist to us. This made her very visibly uncomfortable, and that was just part one of the plan we had to pay her back. Thanksgiving soon rolled around, and at the dinner we had at home, we made sure not to pay attention to any of her allergies. The reactions she gets to them weren't severe, we made sure, so it was just funny seeing her face all swollen up and the obvious discomfort that followed. The next time we saw each other was during Christmas. 
and this time everyone was prepared to make Joan even more uncomfortable. We had cousins and all our childhood best friends show up to the house for a party, and my mother was in charge of the catering. That was the first thing that made her a bit antsy. My little brother and I heard them arguing inside my dad's bedroom. When they finally came out, everyone spoke to Joan like she was a child, scolding her when she spoke too loudly or looked the wrong way at anybody. If she tried to speak, we all spoke over her until she shut up and cowered back down. The best part? My father was clueless. Once he had been made the center of attention, not much mattered to him anymore, and our cousins really indulged him. By midnight, Joan had disappeared from the party. I went on a search for her and found her crying in the guest bathroom. I locked the door behind us and gave her a few choice words, letting her know that she would not go unpunished for the words she said to my daughter, a small child. She tried to yell at me, but I was much taller, so glaring her down caused her to stutter. Before I left the bathroom, I told her that if she was staying in the family, then she needed to get used to the treatment, because that was all she would be getting. Nobody knew when Joan left, but it was the last time anyone saw her. The next week back, she sent divorce papers to my father, and within six months, they were divorced and my mom moved back in. I guess it took another marriage and six years for them to get back together. Some part of me felt bad for the way I chased Joan away because I prefer to be a pacifist, but I guess some battles must be fought. Honestly, I don't even know if what OP did here was revenge or just the right way to treat somebody who was intolerable of anybody else. I mean, this person went around just throwing around their biases and their disgusting behavior even to a three-year-old kid. How else are you supposed to treat them? It's not like OP and their family attacked them. They just treated them very honestly how they deserve to be treated. If they're not considerate at all about other people and in fact attack other people for just existing, then nobody's going to be considerate to them in return, right? But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. Now, if you want to hear another crazy revenge story, check out that video on the left. Or if you missed my latest video, check out that video on the right. That said, I'll see you all next time with some more stories.